Hey there, I'm Sarita, and you're about to experience the modern approach to well-being where you get to establish the best and most important relationship you will ever have, the one with yourself. I'm on a mission to help you declutter energy and reclaim your power so you can be a magnet to what you desire. If you're looking for the optimal blend of mindset and healing, you're in the right place. My goal in this podcast is to share tools, resources, and practices that will help you along your healing journey. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So welcome to Back to Here with Sarita. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another beautiful episode of my favorite uh, series called the Self Embrace Stories. These are stories where I have my guests share their amazing self-healing stories, their journeys, their uh, coming home to self. And today I'm very excited. I have a very special guest. Jen Venegas is a queer non-binary bruje. They offer spiritual healing and guidance through decolonized perspective. Make sure to follow and support Jen's healing practice at Abeja Rise at abejarise.com and at abejarise on Instagram. Jen, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to connect with you. We already had a conversation, uh, I think it was last year actually, and I just felt your warmness and your authenticness when it came to our conversation. I'm very excited to connect with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this conversation too. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for you know people to connect and hopefully we can all sort of like access some healing from your podcast. So thank you for doing what you do. I appreciate all your work around this. Oh, thank you so much. That means that really means the world to me because I, I absolutely love sharing just my own personal journey, like what's come up and then also highlighting other people's journeys as well. And uh, one of the things that you and I spoke about, and I really loved how you recap this in an email recently, is just like uh, accessing the grief that you have gone through uh, to be able to come home to yourself and that self-love healing. Self-love is a a buzzword, but it is also, it means different things to different people. And so I would love to hear from you and you share what you've shared with me, um, what that accessing your grief was, what was that awakening? What was that process? Um, It's usually a big story, but um, I know you had highlighted a, a few things and I would love for you to share that with us. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, just super brief background. Uh, my papa passed away around 11, 12 years ago. And I feel like because he was sort of the, I guess, pillar of the household, um, once that happened, as the uh, older child, the eldest child, I had to step into a role that I'm not sure I was fully prepared for. And I think in learning how to do that, I did not have space to work through my grief, to access my grief, because I was very focused on taking care of my mom, taking care of my brother, taking care of the house, like um, just making sure things could flow as easily as possible in that time. And, you know, that, that honestly lasted until probably last year, last fall. Um, 
I felt very stuck. I felt very just, I had this imagery in my mind the other day in EMDR therapy where I saw myself in this like thorny sort of like bramble and I accepted that. Like I accepted the pain from the thorns. I accepted being in that place. I accepted, um, I kind of gave up like trying to get out. It was just like, okay, I'm here, you know? And um, I think going through those places can be valuable. And I don't think we need to stay in them for, well, at least I don't think I needed to stay in there for 12 years, right? Um, and so last summer, uh, two of my, my cats passed away within five weeks of each other. And honestly, that rocked my core in a very, very profound way because, um, you know, they were my soulmates in a lot of ways. And I, for a moment, I didn't know, I felt like I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to breathe. Like my grief was very heavy. And also I was thinking a lot about my grief process when my dad died. And so one of the things that helped me was that I had been working for the past few years to reconnect with my spirituality, um, despite trauma that I had um, with religion growing up and um, you know being a queer person. And so in that healing journey, I think once my soulmate babies passed, it broke something open for me and made space for a different type of healing. Um, I also had space in my life for a different type of healing. And so it was compounded grief, but it was like necessary. Like it helped me access like grief that happened over a decade ago. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because going through something so traumatic as losing a beloved family member, let alone a parent, I can't even imagine other than relating to it from myself being somebody that's adopted and I was uprooted and torn away from birthland as a three-year-old child. So it was like being taken away from somebody that I trusted and cared for and cared, you know, allowed to care for me, etc. So I can empathize in that in that space of the grief and the loss that you went through. And how do you feel like and we'll get to other parts of your conversation because I definitely want to talk about the cats because I, I love animals and spirit animals and, and having that soul connection with them. But, you know, to kind of concentrate on accessing your grief um, and for people that are possibly going through something similar or have gone through something similar, how do you believe um, the grief manifested in your life um, that you realized that it was something that um, was something that you could how did it how did it manifest in your life first like maybe as a teenager reflecting on that and and a young adult and into adulthood like how, what what kind of came up for you in in that respect and then I'll ask the next question 
Yeah, I think my first experience with grief was when my grandmother passed when I was nine. Um, and I saw, you know, my mom, it was her mother model her process. I saw my dad um, in his role as a, you know, kind of like caregiver and supportive partner while also taking care of my brother and I during that time. Um, and I also experienced a lot of things on my own um, that showed me a different way to connect with people that have passed, with, um, you know, just loved ones that have passed. Um, I began to see my grandmother in dreams. Um, I was able to sort of visit her in what I think is uh, astral projection, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but so what I, you know, I was learning these different types of like experiences that didn't really line up with uh, growing up Catholic and what I was taught around um, around death, around the afterlife, um, things like that. And so I think learning over the years to not only accept what I've experienced, but also accepted the ways that um, Mexican and Mexican-American culture has kind of reclaimed Catholicism in some ways, um, despite, you know, the violence and the ways that it was uh, brought to, to Latin America and, um, you know, indigenous people around here. And so that has been incredibly healing and also the grief around not identifying as you know, Catholic anymore, even though my family still does, has been also like really transformative and finding ways to still connect with that instead of being separate, right? Instead of being othered. Um, and so it all kind of came together. It was all, it was necessary for me to heal my spirituality, for me to accept those parts of me that I had always experienced since ever since I was a child. Um, for me to even, I believe, start to access my grief. Yeah, all of that. That's so beautiful. And there is this, um, you know, being of, uh, and I'm sure this uh, carries on to other people of other cultures as well, is this kind of du duplicitous role that we have with the modernization of our, of the religion maybe we grew up in and then our own spiritual practices and, and things that we bring in. And so there's a conglomeration of a lot of different things going on. And I, I love how you said that you needed to do spiritual healing in order to access the grief and being able to see visions and things like that. That's like such a, that's such a gift. It really is. And, um, allowing that to be a part of your process as well is, it was very beautiful um, a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't have like access to, um, you know, the, the, the tools that they need in order to, to heal. And so it, it almost brings them to a point where it's like they do things, they do things for themselves in order to heal themselves. So it was, uh, what I really love about your story is, is that exactly, um, utilizing the inner tools, the tools that you already have, the gifts that you already have to be able to create this you know, amazing healing process. And so 
um, the second part of my question is, uh, for, you know, for people that are going through like a, a grieving, um, like a standpoint at, at their life, maybe they've lost somebody or going through, going through a process. What was that moment for you where you were, you were like, this may, this needs to change. Like something needs to change within me. Like what is, what, what, what was coming up for you in those moments? Uh, it, it may have been something um, pivotal in, in one moment. It could have been like a, over a long period of time, but what was it that allowed you to um, kind of open that gateway into like the next part of like, you know, the healing process? I feel like last year I was really exploring what letting go and letting in look like for me. Um, and one thing that I was finding was happening is I was noticing my intuition's signals again. And I started to get downloads at a what I think is a pretty rapid pace for myself. It definitely wasn't like anything I had experienced before. And I remember just driving and all of a sudden this thought came into my head and it, it was like, you know, when you, when you were there, when your father was buried, you left part of yourself with him. And that was hard to comprehend as someone who's still healing like certain spiritual aspects of myself. Um, but the more I started to let that in, it really, really catalyzed my ability to see the ways that I am, you know, a soul with a body, and we all are, right? Instead of just um, body, mind, soul, like all of these separate um, beings that are in this one existence. And realizing that I needed that part back, um, that that was part of me and my papa was fine where he was. He didn't need uh, to hold that part of me. I needed to hold that part of me. Uh, was, was the way that like, I realized like calling that back was the way that was gonna help move me to that next level that I wasn't able to access before because I needed to show up whole. And the part that I left with him was all the like parts that I related to him because it was too hard to sit with those and, you know, the complexity of those. And so calling that back was very profound for me. It opened up a lot. Like lots of lots of grief, lots of tears, lots of big, big, beautiful, important feels. Wow, and you used the exact word that I was gonna say, profound. So profound. What a profound experience to even acknowledge that, to download something so moving that uh, the part of you that you lost was, you know, buried with him, was with moved on with him. And what's coming up for me is, um, and, and maybe I can ask you this in a way where you have, you have this beautiful intuitive gift that you've been, you've accessed and you've strengthened over time and you've allowed yourself to, 
to go into and move into. And for those people that are perhaps going through this process and very terrified to even like go into, I guess, that world and that closet, um, how does one even start? Like, and, and you, you kind of explained it like you allowed yourself, but what, what more, what more can someone do that's like going through this process and it's just so debilitating sometimes? Yeah, I think a lot of times we're taught to seek out therapy or different types of self-help, which I think are amazing, important tools. Um, but one of the sort of uh, fallings or failings of those tools, because no tool is perfect, and I still, like, I would never say don't go to therapy, like, if you have access to it. Yeah, amazing. Um, yes. Is that... It puts a lot of the healing on the individual. Mm. And so what has helped me where I started was acknowledging community, um, acknowledging the ways that my friends and family showed up and allowed me to show up for them and how sacred that was and the ways that we allowed each other to lean on each other. Um, and also looking back, right, uh, learning about the rituals, the practices that my grandmother had, that her mother had, um, that are culturally relevant with my ancestors. And I know even that can be very complicated um, and not everybody has access to that. Um, but that's that was one of the ways that I was able to start this journey. That's so beautiful. I truly believe the power of community. We're always stronger in numbers and having different communities, spaces where you can get support, the support that you need people perhaps that have gone through the same process or similar, you know, experiences, just having that community spaces to, to lean on is, is, is so important. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And I, um, I love that you brought that up because there are, there are so many avenues in which somebody can have options. And it's like, you, you said it well, like there are plenty of different ways it's like going with what feels good to you um if it is therapy if it is other additional self-help and you know you have access to other things like you're not left you know completely without so um having community is definitely important and i love that you brought up the ancestral support and and healing through that i love that a lot of people are starting to tap into that, starting to tap into the roots, starting to tap into the ancestral roots and like what that means for people because there's such power there. Our ancestors understood the power of their ancestors and, and the support, the emotional support that they have through that because that is a community, not necessarily a physical community that you may, may have but definitely a community in spirit mm -hmm. and I think that is uh, so supportive at times 
it gives me so much comfort to know that I come from a long line of very empowered people. And that gives me a lot of comfort. So I love that I love that you brought that up with the with the ancestry. And um, another question I have is, and this is something that I talk about, kind of strengthening that intuitive muscle is taking time. You know, Jen now versus back Jen maybe ten years ago or so didn't understand or maybe comprehend or have the the strength of intuitive muscle as much maybe as now how would you say for somebody that is um struggling with that area in their life when it comes to intuitive like downloads and hits and like being scared of like what's going to come up for me and what is all that what what would you what feedback would you give them what um what wisdom would you provide to them in those moments um when when i was younger um, in my 20s, I dealt with a lot of depression and sadness, very, very heavy sadness. And one of the things that at the time I called instinctual, um, one of the things that I did was I really tried to find like little snapshots of like joy. Um, it would be like silly eyes in a logo or, um, you know, just like I'd be taking the bus and there would be like a cute little child, right? Um, or there would be a, like a balloon or I'd see a rainbow, just little, these little moments of joy. And I would take pictures of them because I didn't trust my memory to hold on to them. And when I look back on that now, I realize that was my intuition guiding me, holding me up in those moments. And the gratitude I feel for that now has really shown me that that's one of the keys for me in connecting and accepting my intuition is that looking back right like how has your intuition shown up for you how have you been able to receive it in the past like what gifts have you received because of it and you know when we can look at that and notice that it helps to fortify our beliefs fortify our confidence in our intuition and so it allows you to to have faith that it's going to keep happening, that you still have access to it, that it's still powerful, that it's still there, right? It never actually left you all of this time. It's been helping to guide you. And so the more that we are able to acknowledge and accept the ways that it's taking care of us in the past, the more that we can be like, okay, this is like, this is happening. This is real. I can try to sit with this. Yes, looking for verification, looking for um, the moments when it's actually benefited you and supported you and worked for you, all of that. So those great questions to be asking yourself if you are feeling like 
that muscle is needing to be strength or you don't even have that self-trust at all. That's really what it comes down to is this like very deep sense of self-trust and knowing that what needs to come through will come through for you. And it's, it may not even be directly from self. It could be from, you know, outside, outside yourself, like a download of some sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, We know those intuitive hits are of the higher self of like, you know, another dimension at times. So allowing yourself to be open and also like you said looking for looking for the verification of the past and how it's helped you then and uh, confirming having confirmation of like yes it is it's keeping you aligned it's keeping you on the path um i love how you said that it was um those moments that help that help direct you to the moments that you needed right Mm -hmm. so that is that is really beautiful i wanted to turn the conversation over to um, what you had shared with me originally when we first connected and, and you mentioned this a little bit ago when you were talking about another portion of your life when you were accessing your grief and your loss is, uh, the loss of your, your pets, a loss of your cats. And I'm a huge, huge, huge supporter of animals. I absolutely love animals. And after you share you know, your, your portion and your story about your cats and your connection with them. Uh, Cause I know there are people listening and I know there are a lot of people out there that truly believe that our animals are a reflection of us. They really are. And there's a deep level of connection that we can have. And uh, I will share, you know, mine, mine as well, but tell us about um, your cats and like what came, um, what allowed you to truly believe um, and know like, that you had this deep level of connection with them. Yeah, I think because I had had both of them, um, they had both been in my life for about 20 years. Um, I felt pretty confident in our bond in this realm. Um, and once they passed, I think I was very afraid that that would be lost. And the more I sort of explored, you know, that idea, like, is that really what I believe? Um, I began to feel like I'd be sitting or laying on my bed and I'd feel a cat walking on my bed. And I do have another cat. And so I, you know, I'd look and he wasn't there. And you know, I would walk into another room and I would see one of my cats in their spots. And I think these are normal grief experiences that are often talked about in terms of, oh, that's just your mind going through the process of grief. Um, in, in U.S. culture specifically. And... I understand that that's a lot to unpack. Uh, it was for me too, like, but also doing that work and accepting that those connections, those experiences were even possible opened me up to so many other experiences. Like just, it allowed me to to believe in something bigger than me again. Yeah, that's so beautiful. 
I, I do appreciate that you brought up about how there's been this conditioned belief that you're like someone is crazy because they're going through this very deep process of grieving and so there's this uh, conditioned belief that it makes you see things that aren't there and feel things that aren't there and and so it's like it, it there's verification right there for a lot of people it's like oh like I'm gonna listen to an outside opinion saying that like I'm crazy and this isn't really happening to me, right? But And there's that lack of self-trust or lack of self-love and lack of like believing in like what is actually happening for you in that moment, right? We've been conditioned for so long um, to believe that that's, that's true when in reality those moments are, are what um, bring us comfort. And I truly believe um, I had, so my story with uh, my pet, as maybe some of the listeners know, um, is that I had a, a pet named Scruffy, and he was my first pet and uh, has been my only pet in my adult years. And he came out of, he came to me out of chance. I had him for about 15 some years. He became um, blind during his life, and so he couldn't see and um Luckily for dogs, they don't necessarily depend on their, their sight or vision to be able to navigate around. However, just having a pet that had a quote-unquote disability like that did bring out a level of empathy in me that I never thought that I had. And so through that process, it, it brought me such a, um, these moments of not just empathy, but also the, like the caring for something that was so dependent on me and it was because of that the bond got so much stronger between me and him and I was always uh, very sad to leave him to go to work and like I know that he felt the energy between uh, from that and in fact I even decided to have a medium come to visit and converse with him and see, you know, what, what was going on with him. This was quite a few years into having him. And one of the biggest things, takeaway, there wasn't too much, but one of the biggest takeaways that the medium had said to me that she wanted Scruffy to tell me was, I want you to love yourself more. And when I heard that, I wasn't open to receiving it at the moment. I thought there's got to be more than just that, right? There's got to be way more than just, I got to love myself more. Okay. Yeah. Self-love. Wonderful. I was in those, at that time I was, had so many other things going on that it was like kind of the last thing I was thinking about. And I thought like, I want to know if he's suffering. I want to know what's going on with him. But it was that one simple thing. Like, I want you to love yourself more. And as like, as time got kind of closer to the end of his life, I started to realize like, wow, what that meant. I understand that in so much more depth now because this is like what really covers all of my work is the really deep sense of self-love and caring for self and coming home to self. And I was like, wow, Scruffy was the one who implemented that and helped me understand that on a different, like a completely different level. So. I truly believe that animals are here to share and show us and guide us. And there is this like unique, amazing bond that happens between 
us and them. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. And yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And just to kind of go on the stories that you were saying about um, feeling them in their presence and and you said something so pivotal and I think this is something that is really important for anybody is that has gone through a loss and is grieving and this goes back to like what you were saying with like your father and your grandmother is there's this belief that just because they're not here physically with you in this entity in this uh this space it doesn't mean that that con- connection is completely gone um in fact i've heard from testimonials that bond even gets stronger for some people after the physical passing of somebody i know that to be true with my my situation with scruffy he's come to me in dreams he's always so happy and joyful in dreams like he's running around he can see like he's a young pup like he's having a good time and just being able to witness that in my dream state i i love that my sister she advised me that she definitely knows that our grandfather is present with her and she feels that the strong bond because they had a nice bond in this life and then in the afterlife of course for somebody that's again kind of distrusting of that belief what would you say to them like what would you what what words of consolation would you say to them to help them understand that it's totally possible I think what helped me was having a critical eye towards the messages that I received uh, throughout my life. Um, Also noticing the ways that in the United States we are allowed to practice grief and the acceptable ways that we're allowed to practice grief Um, and how, uh, like I said, before, um, it's taught to be a very individual experience. And I think if you are having trouble believing that your loved ones and, um, you know, for me, ancestors can be people, family, chosen family, animals, pets, plants, trees, you know, so many, um, living things that maybe we don't think are sentient, but, um, you know, what do we know all the time? Um, but yeah, finding, um, finding other people that can help, you know, uh, explore those with you, explore those concepts with you in a safe space, people that you trust, um, you know, it goes back to the community aspect. It goes back to how collective healing is so important, especially when we're dealing with loss and grief. Um, finding that support that can gently challenge, you know, like ideas that tell you that there's no way these things are possible. Um, and also gently challenging yourself too, like 
looking back also and how you have experienced access to other realms um and what kinds of things did you feel what kind of things were you thinking in those moments if you can remember and try to unpack that and lean on it a little bit explore it you know um it really is a gift it really is an opportunity to hold us up to fortify us not only individually but all of us despite um you know individual rituals based on culture there's very many shared um experiences around this just the idea that our culture in the u.s says that something is you know not necessarily wrong but not real in your grief process if you are seeing things feeling things hearing things right um and that can be applied to a lot of mental health issues but to stay on grief you know that is an experience that is so widely felt across, you know, the planet, across culture, across language. Um, and so if so many people are experiencing it and so many people have different perceptions of it and yet the culture in the U.S. is one of the few that says this is wrong. How can we unpack that to allow space, you know, and to make peace with that? Because it's not like we are actively choosing this. This is an experience that is given to us. It's a, it's a gift. And so just that simple reframing for me allowed more of it to come to me and I know that can be scary and it takes getting used to and that's why being gentle with yourself and finding support in people that also either even if they don't necessarily believe your exact experience or can't understand it that they're willing to make space for it you know like that kind of support is really important Yes, I, I fully agree. I love, 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 love that you brought this up because we have been, again, this goes back to the conditioning, the belief that grief needs to look a certain way, which is what we've been conditioned to believe. It's like a suppressed grief process. And it's not, you're right, it's not healthy and it's not serving us. And it is a, a projected belief. It's a pro projected way of doing things. Grief does not need to look a certain way. And there's, there's no correct way to do grief, nor is grief something that needs to be hidden and closed. And I'm just, what's coming to mind is this image of tribal women being together, like crying and throwing themselves on the ground and just really feeling into like what is coming up for them when it comes to loss or and and so we've we've moved so far away from that 
we've moved so far away from this like you know belief of that's that's not okay that's not okay anymore we need to have it look structured in an office sitting across from a therapist and like you know quietly meditating and journaling and you know going through what we need to it's okay I love that you've allowed people listening to this to give permission to themselves to be messy af with their grief and whatever that looks like whatever that looks like if it's crazy loud colorful angry raw black spiky like whatever like the image you were talking about earlier that that um being in uh what was it you said it was being in thorns yeah like having that yeah having that experience that is okay and i love jen that you brought that up thank you so much for that yeah i think the more space we can allow for ourselves and allow for others to just be in our human experience that's one of the ways that we heal you know like that's one of the ways that we call ourselves back that we hold ourselves that you know we can fully exist that's where we find our our power yes so so true so true that is those moments which exactly exactly what this podcast is about is those moments when you come back to yourself when you reclaim your power when you you settle you don't you don't settle for anything but yourself that self deep sense of self love that self healing it's amazing and that goes into my question that i always ask all my guests because I love hearing everybody's interpretation. What does self-love, what does self, self-embrace, self like the, the series, self-embrace, self-healing, that, that sense of self, what does that mean to Jen? For me, it means accepting all of my experiences, accepting all of the parts of me, including the parts of me that want to doubt, that still have learning to do, um, you know, that want to close myself off from experiences, and accepting those with grace, accepting that I don't have to be open all the time, uh, accepting that I can slow down, that I don't always have to be in a space of, you know, quote unquote, working on myself to be worthy of existence. And even the question of am I worthy is almost irrelevant to me now because it doesn't matter. My existence is important just as everybody else's is. And so there's nothing I have to do to be worthy. It's just not even on the table. Like it's enough that I exist right now and it's enough that I I'm open to connecting with other existences right now and, you know, in the past and in the future. And so that's what that means for me, just full acceptance and also the, the grace to know that I'm not always going to be able to be in that space. Beautiful said. I love that self-acceptance. That's but very much a radical act. So 
thank you for that, Jen. And my final question, and there's been so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom that you have dropped during this episode in your personal experience of opening up those doors and accessing your grief. Again, whatever's coming to mind, whatever's coming up for you, that intuitive uh, desire to share, any final words of wisdom you want to provide to somebody that may be going through this process? Yeah, you know, I love what you said around there's no right or wrong way to grieve. I feel like that concept in itself is very radical, um, but also very important. I think it's important to give ourselves permission to show up for grief, however it shows up for us. Um, And just, you know, lean into it when we can. And if it's too much, like that's where distractions come in. That's when our, you know, self-healing toolbox comes in, right? Because there's no reason to rush it. It's going to take the time it's going to take. And even though we are conditioned to think that if it's not going at a certain pace, it's not going. Not forcing the process allows us to enter the space differently, you know, and, yes. and yeah, it allows us to show up differently. Mm. So true. Not forcing the process, allowing it just to flow however it needs to. Thank you. That is, uh, that is beautiful. Those are beautiful um, recommendations and wisdom for you know somebody that may be going through something similar or has experienced something very similar or can share this with something with someone that is going through this this process. Jen, thank you so much for sharing this profound part of your journey, and that has helped you to become the person that you are today which is a very beautiful, warm, loving person. I was so excited that we connected and that I've had you as a guest on this podcast because I love bringing not just the self-love, but also the woo (laughs) to the podcast. That's so important to me. So Jen, thank you so, so much. I will have Jen's information down below so you can follow them on social media. But Again, John, thank you so much for this amazing connection today, and I appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank you for making space for me and other folks to come on and share our experiences. Thank you for speaking your truth and having this platform. You know, what you're doing is an incredible gift, and I just appreciate all of the labor and love you put behind it. Thank Um, you. And thank you for this beautiful conversation. Me too. Thank you so much, Jen. Take care. And everybody, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Have a great one. Hey, love. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you adored what you heard, it would mean the world to me if you took a moment to leave a review on the platform you are listening to this episode on. By doing this, you are helping my mission to impact other women with their healing journeys. If you aren't already following me on social media, make sure to connect with me at Sarita Wellness to get your weekly dose of inspiration. 
I can't wait to be with you in the next episode, but in the meantime, keep being the amazing you that you are.